when running a business, making a payroll, understanding those type of things and really having that journey of losing it all um, is really invaluable when you talk about uh, working with or handling anybody else's money because it has a certain amount of uh, more gravitas or importance with that. Sure. Um, and I, I don't think you really learn that lesson until you've had some major conflicts in your life. It's, um, you know, uh, just to add to the, the beautiful thing of my, my life, I've mentioned my father passed away, but my brother had passed away when I was about seven and he is a year and a half old. And wow. really without having those losses, um, you really don't know how much you can appreciate or should appreciate life. Welcome to Push To Be More with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. This is a show that talks about the stuff that makes life work. And to help us do just that, I am chatting with my very special guest today, Ryan Flanagan from Nuanced Media, uh, about how he went from losing his family's money, delivered pizza with an MBA, and conquering Amazon. That's a heck of a journey, isn't it? Uh, the show notes and the transcript from our conversation will be available on our website at pushtobemore.com. Also on our website, you can sign up for our newsletter. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you do, uh, because each week we will email you uh, the links from the show, the notes, they all come to your inbox automatically, totally free, totally amazing. So make sure you sign up for that at pushtobemore.com. This episode is brought to you by Orion Media, which helps entrepreneurs and business leaders uh, set up and run their own successful podcast. Oh yes, I've mentioned this before. I have found running my own podcast to be Oh, it's just amazing. It's so, so cool. I now have three. We're just about to launch a fourth. I know it's all getting a bit crazy. Uh, podcasting opens doors to amazing people just like Ryan, like nothing else I have seen. Uh, I've built networks, made friends. I've had a platform to champion my customers, my team, my suppliers. Honestly, I think just about any entrepreneur or business leader should have a podcast because of the huge impact it can have. Now, of course, that sounds all great in theory, but in reality, there's the whole problem of setup, distribution, social media, getting the tech right, knowing what the right podcast strategy is. I mean, the list goes on. You see, I love talking to people, but not all of that other stuff. I really, really don't. So, Orion Media takes care of all of that. It just takes everything off my plate. I do what I'm good at, and they brilliantly take care of the rest. So if you're wondering if podcasting is a good marketing strategy for your business, do connect with them at orionmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. We will, of course, link to them in our podcast show notes as well. So if you've got that, uh, that will, uh, if you've got signed up to that email, that will come straight through to you, uh, but they'll be at pushtobemore.com. So Orion Media, do check them out. Now, Let's talk about today's guest. Ryan is the CEO of Nuanced 
media and has spent more than 15 years in e-commerce, multi-channel digital marketing and third-party marketing. He has worked with hundreds of companies to establish best practice, focusing on the 20% that produces 80% of the revenue. Ryan is a passionate thought leader in the e-commerce industry. He's been interviewed and quoted by BuzzFeed, Modern Retail, as well as many other news outlets, including, of course, the e-commerce podcast that I host, which is where Ryan and I first met. It was definitely the pinnacle of his career. So far, I have no doubt. Uh, And I thought he'd make a great guest for Push as well. So Ryan, thanks for joining me on this slightly different podcast. It's always great to catch up again. How are we doing? Oh, great, Matt. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, mate, it's good. It's good. Now, uh, you are based in Arizona. Uh, and you were yes, saying that, that you've, right. you've got your vest on, haven't you? For those who are not watching the video, listening to the podcast, he's, he's wearing yeah, a vest. Uh, for those of you not watching the video, I'm also about 6'3", blonde hair, golden locks. <laughs> really just an attractive man overall. Just so you know. if you're watching the video, please don't look at the... Uh, receding hairline or anything like <laughs> that. That's the, the, his standard. I put on the, I, I put on the good for radio. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's really funny. The amount of friends that have said to me over the past, you know, when you talk to them, what do you do? And you say, oh, we do the podcasting thing. They're like, oh, awesome. Because you've got the best face for radio, right? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the standard thing that I hear. Yes, I've got a good face for radio. Uh, so <laughs> it's funny. Oh, mate, thanks for coming back on. Uh, and this time we're not talking specifically about e-commerce. And if people want to do hear about e-commerce, check out the e-commerce podcast with Ryan where we talk about Amazon uh, and go into that into a whole great depth, which was fantastic. Um, but I wanted to get a little bit more about your story. And we've, we had a quick catch up. And the thing that intrigued me, I said it at the intro, you've sort of gone through this incredible journey from losing your family's money to delivering pizza with an MBA to uh, founder and CEO of Nuance Media to conquering Amazon for Solar Giant. I mean, we're going to get into it all, but I was, your, your story is quite fascinating. There's a lot of twists and turns, shall we well, say. Well, Matt, primarily it was an overnight success. It just happened without any issues or anything like that. It hasn't been like a 20-year journey at this point. Overnight. <laughs> if only, if only, if only. And then you could just write a book about it, how it didn't take 20 years. It all happened overnight. Yeah, completely. I actually do have a book out on uh, inbound marketing, which is uh, something that we really don't do do now. It's all focusing on Amazon and e-commerce and product marketing. So I do have a book. Yeah, it's a completely different topic. (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, Interestingly enough, and nothing related to the topics we're going to talk about, uh, before we started recording this podcast, I was looking actually at HubSpot as a CRM for um, Orion Media. And I was like, well, do we do do a HubSpot? Do we do something else? So... uh, I might pick your brains about this after we stop the recording, so I'm sure it won't be interesting for uh, for for leaders. So tell us about your your journey. Tell us about the first company that failed. What happened there? Sure. So this all started, I'd say, back in 2006, and um, this is when MySpace was very active at the time. Facebook was emerging on the market, and, and we saw a pretty interesting opportunity um, that. Facebook was uh, functional, but you couldn't really customize it or anything like that. And uh, MySpace uh, had a good amount of users, but because people were hand coding things and doing things like that, sometimes you would go to a page and five million things would load, and it was just a really 
not a very strong experience for, mm. for right? So what we had developed out was uh, initially focusing on the geek market. Um, a number geek had just kind of become a populist thing, and it was really talking about express your inner geek and being passionate about things. And it was developed on Flex Two, which was based on ActionScript. Um, this is before um, Am. Sorry, uh, Apple said I don't mm. like ActionScript, and you can't show those on your phone. So uh, a number of things that happened that were out of my control that kind of mm. uh, eventually led to the doom of the uh, of the concept. But essentially, you could build profiles pretty easily, do the social network, and then actually have animated things go on uh, behind uh, your profile that uh, were very nice. You could increase them. You could really customize out what you're doing. So it was a hybrid between MySpace and actually having it so you could have a very nice, good interaction with that. And then uh, Facebook, which was a little bit more platform-centric in doing those things. So those were the two different concepts that we looked at and we built out. Um, and then quickly after developing it, um, found out that it may not have been the best solution. We initially, to be honest, had uh, thought about being a Greek social network. And that was what the first roughly two years were developed to build out for. Greek as in fraternal um, and sorority Greek. Mm -hmm. And um, we had developed that out, gotten buy-in from a lot of the major organizations, uh, fraternity systems uh, and you know the sororities really have an issue that when they're an undergrad, everybody's very engaged, but once they uh, graduate and go to Chicago, people lose contact. So mm -hmm. we had approached the National Panelitic Council and a lot of the Greek system. And they said, hey, we love it, it's great. Um, this is going to be a great way for us to stay connected, but um, we want to be able to proof everything that any undergrad puts up, right? <laughs> so essentially that, that was the first learning experience is wow. don't spend two years until you actually talk to your end customer, building out this great platform to find out that it's not going to work because, you know, if you have to get proof by HQ on everything, uh, a, they didn't understand the, the, the issues that they'd have. But um, anyway, it was just a no-go on that. So we pivoted to the geek side of things. And then by the time that we were really ready to go to market, we did not have funding enough to really focus on the advertising of those things. And I had spent about three to four years of this uh, paying about three or four developers working on this while I was getting my MBA, um, working as a barista the night shift, and uh, spending a lot of my family inheritance, my father had passed away when about a month before I turned 21, uh, to basically have everything blow up in my face. Um, so uh, essentially had a really rough time at that point. I had been engaged, we broke up. I moved from the Midwest where I was living in Kansas at that point, moved back to Tucson to uh, live in my guest mom's guest bedroom. I was in my early 30s at the point. Um, and just really not being able to sleep. The only thing you could control was exercising and doing those things to right, really try to reclaim your life um, and do those things. And I, I came back to Tucson, uh, Arizona, and I was looking for jobs in the Phoenix market or in Austin and couldn't get a call back for anything. So just I already have my MBA at this point and I needed to do something. So I delivered uh, pizzas for Papa John's while I was having my delusions of finding a job somewhere else. Wow. Um, 
And, you know, owning a company now too, I, I know how difficult it is that people submit applications and do these type of things all the time. And honestly, you're so busy reading your working your company that you sometimes just don't even have time to look at the candidates or you're not hiring for that position or mm -hmm. anything like that. Um, so I, I started delivering pizzas, uh, doing that uh, in my early 30s with my MBA, really not knowing where to go or, or what to do. Uh, definitely a high point in my life. Um, <laughs> you can feel the irony there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, uh, quite frankly, being uh, from Arizona originally, I had a friend that needed a, a solar company website developed out, so I did that. And then I had another friend who had a yoga studio, so I did that. And then we quickly, quickly, uh, another two years later, I hired my first employee, um, doing those type of things, uh, developed out the team to three or four people, uh, really started working heavily, and this is early, you know, 2012-ish, really started working on um, website design and development. We actually developed out a plugin on the WordPress platform that got, I think, 5 million downloads at the end oh, of the day. Wow. It was an integration with meetup.com, mm -hmm. so you could locally express uh, events and those type of things. Um, had four full-time developers working on um, WordPress for us. We brought on uh, companies such as Buffalo Exchange, which has got 50-plus uh, locations nationally. Uh, they do a lot of stuff in the vintage market. Uh, did the website for Arizona Tech Council, third largest tech council in the United States. Uh, helped a company get acquired for $40 million on the B2B side. At this point, we're really starting to level and focus on B2B marketing and growing those things out. Uh, but quickly found out that the B2B side of things was inherently broken. Meaning if you did your job as a marketer, you would start getting them leads um, and then they'd never have the people to handle all the leads that are coming up or mm -hmm. then their manufacturing process would slow down or things like that. And ultimately not scalable, right? Mm -hmm. um, or basically it'd be producing leads like one of our clients, uh, the vice president of Oculus Rift, download their guide and we're like, follow up with this guy. Like, this is a big thing. This is a, a big hitter. Um, and then they'd add do the follow-up, right? So at a certain point we said, well, this is broken. You know, website design is getting more competitive on this. Where can we really start focusing? And at that point, uh, we helped a client sell roughly $24 million in about six weeks mm -hmm. on the Amazon platform and off of Amazon. Right now, literally the stars aligned with that process. It was due during the 2017 solar eclipse. And okay. we've been already representing kind of some e-commerce uh, clients before this period, but this was kind of the eye-opening level. And initially our strategy looking at this was to maybe open up kiosks throughout the United States to sell these uh, solar glasses, right? Because that's mm -hmm. what they're selling, because we need a distribution. But then we said, hey, why don't we really start focusing on Amazon and looking at that? Um, they made $18.5 million or something like that in a, a month period on that, did very well. No kidding. Uh, that out. And then we said, well, maybe there's something to the Amazon. We can scale it. We can grow it. We can do all those type of things um, and really build that out. A, a joke that I say, and uh, the group I worked with was a terrific group, but you know, what we got at the end of the day, they're very nice and they got uh, myself and the account manager and one of the strategists, all Rolexes, and then they, they did some other things, but we had our flat fee, right? 
So we didn't get any of the upside, which is completely fine. That's how the contract was level. But the joke was, hey, I made somebody $24 million and all I got was a shitty Rolex. Right? <laughs> but, uh, uh, anyway, you know. <laughs> so uh, quickly from that, um, we really started focusing heavily and leaning heavily into Amazon pivoted quickly to just represent e-commerce clients. And that's all we do now is just mm-hmm. Amazon e-commerce. We've sold hundreds of millions online for our clients um, and, and done that. And that's uh, really what we focus on every day and what we do and how we build it out. That's a hell of a journey, but I mean, it, you know, it, you, it, it's fine. It just kind of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Wow, this is what happened then and that's what happened there. But I mean, just going back to when it all goes, um, as we'd say in England, a bit Pete Tong, um, very wrong. Um, you know, in your sort of uh, was early 30s when the social media thing obviously doesn't work and you've invested all this money and it's it's not going on. You've broken up with your fiance. You've had to move back home uh, to live with your mum. You've got your MBA and you're delivering pizza. How, how is life at this point? I mean, for you mentally, how how are you dealing with all of that? Um, you know, there there's a certain amount of control what you can control and understanding that. You know, I'm not a particularly a religious guy, but I understand that the concept of surrendering fate or, mm. or those things, right? And then really understanding. Uh, releasing control because at a certain point you have to do that right and you can say these are the things that I can control and are within my sphere and for me at that point it was really working out and running and just doing anything healthy to get that endorphin right hit to you know get that sense of accomplishment and bring in what I I could do and what I could really not do right Mm. Um, so focusing on that and then just getting up every day and starting to build and reclimb, right? Um, and doing those levels. So that's, that's really, you know, I'm sure a certain group of your uh, listeners have had a similar journey. Mm-hmm. You know, entrepreneurship is not easy and your, your first go isn't always the best go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the first thing I found out is like, I'm actually going to get paid for my services compared to go into this big dream of building a social network when you're never sure where there's a real revenue stream. Sure. Right. We did have some pitches and we did have some capabilities to bring in, um, you know, VC and angels and those levels, those never really panned out. But on that level, I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm making, $13 $13 an hour with tips right now. So if I can get paid $25 an hour, things are great. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> so, so how can I do that? How can I build that? And then you slowly start, you know, stepping up, stepping up, building, you get your reputation out, you build more of that. And then something that I've always really focused on as being a service provider is win-win, mm-hmm. right? And, how do you really speak to winning for your partners, either those partners being uh, your employees and, and what they get out of it? And how do you make sure that they're getting the most out of working with you um, on those things? And then quite frankly, how does it work for your partners? How do you establish a win-win? How do you enable to make sure that you're trying to help them win the most that's possible and, and grow? And that's what relationships are based on. And in order to do that, you had to set up expectations and build from there. So those are, you know, the process that you go through. Um, it's not something that I'd ever encourage anybody to do, but 
Um, as the old saying goes, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, apparently, for those, again, of you that uh, are listening to this and not watching it, it did really contribute to my golden locks and full hair. <laughs> it had nothing to do with my receding or gray hairline. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so, so that, but the beard, the gray in the beard is now making up for the, the loss of time. So that's, yeah, 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 absolutely. A bit of that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. So the when it all does go a, a bit peak tongue, and you know you're you're in some respects you like you say you're surrendering to fate. There's a uh, I was talking about this with um, with another guest the the book um, Good to Great by Jim Collins, where he talks about confronting the brutal facts. Right, you have to confront the brutal facts. I was talking about that with Andrew Kelly this morning, who's also on the show. Um, in fact, it would be the episode before this. Uh, we were talking about that. And that, that ability to see in front of you and go, yes, this is what's really happening. I can deal with this. But looking back now on that, Ryan, do you do you regret the whole social media thing? Would If you could go back in time and tell yourself not to do it, would you do that? Or would you, are you a bit more philosophical, which has actually the lessons I learned there have been quite valuable? Yeah, I... I... Not that I ever want to repeat it, but yes, the lessons learned were very valuable, right? Um, I don't think until you run a business that you can fully represent other people in business. And, and I'd say smaller business. When you get to like 50 million up corporate life, uh, the people running the campaigns and those type of things typically is other people's money, right? So it's not mm -hmm. as – it's important, right? Because you don't want to lose your job and all those type of things. But mm -hmm. um when running a business, making a payroll, understanding those type of things and really having that journey of losing it all um, is really invaluable when you talk about uh, working with or handling anybody else's money because it has a certain amount of uh, more gravitas or importance with that. Sure. Um, and I, I don't think you really learn that lesson until you've had some major conflicts in your life. It's... Um, you know, uh, just to add to the the beautiful thing of my of my life, I've mentioned my father passed away, but my brother had passed away when I was about seven, and he is a year and a half old. And wow. really, without having those losses, um, you really don't know how much you can appreciate or should appreciate life, mm. right? Because um, you need to kind of get the the polar side of things to really see what that looks like, right? Mm. I'm moving hand right you had to get the polar <laughs> side of it to really see what that looks like so when, when looking at that level uh without knowing the low of the lows you don't know the high of the highs right um mm. so that would be the, the response on that side yeah it's interesting it is interesting because I, I i i'm a very similar i mean not similar stories but sort of similar approach in the in the sense that you look back and people often ask you about regret and what, what are the things that you regret? And I think Dan Pink has actually just released a book about this entire topic, oh, yeah. um, about the power of regret. And um, it's really interesting. It's like, yes, there are things that happen that I wouldn't want to go through again, but I've come through that, I think, a much better person. Right. Uh, and it's a really, there is this tension, isn't there, between between the the hard times and, when th and, and being in the middle of those um, and having the faith to see it through because you know at the end of it something better will emerge. It's it's not always that easy to sort of think that way, but actually that, that's been my my story, I suppose, and it's interesting listening to you talk because it sounds like a very similar story. 
Right. And, and that's the insanity of being an entrepreneur too, is uh, going through that. And, and to be candid, like a lot of people get into entrepreneurism and they don't realize how much there is to risk, how much there is all of those things. And, you know, I think we've all had the thoughts of, well, maybe I should just turn it in and go work for somebody else at some mm -hmm. point. Yeah. Right. But uh, knowing uh, personalities and things like that, it's about finding the right fit on that. And that's, that seems like a bigger risk to me or always has seemed like a bigger risk to me than running my own thing, having my own relationships and, and building my own companies. Right. Mm. Um, on those levels too. So it, it is whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger and whatever you can control only what you can control and you can build only what you can build. Right. Yeah. And how do you do those? How do you focus on those? And how do you be a good person at the end of the day? Because yeah. the other thing is, you know, you can get into tight crunches with money and those type of things. And that's really where you're, you're um, the, you know, the, I'm forgetting the analogy where the rock hits the metal or I'm forgetting the analogy right off the bat, but that's where mm -hmm. you really have to decide if you're going to jump ship or you're going to keep this or where are your morals mm -hmm. and how are you going to stay with those type of things, right? Yeah, totally. I remember um, uh, years ago, because I, I also had a little web design business uh, mm -hmm. going back a few years. How I started in e-commerce, actually. We started writing code and we thought, we could have a little web shop here, why not? How hard can it be to write that? And so I did our first e-commerce website back in 2002. But I remember uh, it was gonna, it was probably, it was probably around that sort of time, um, sort of the early noughties and I'm, I'm not working. I'm, for whatever reason, I'm now self-employed. I'll spare you the story about how that happened. Um, but I'm self-employed. I have no money. Right, because I was young, I was setting up my own business. You went from, you know, the pillar to posting. You just did not know what was going to happen from a finance point of view, right? Um, I was newly married, and we had a new baby. And you kind of think, well, I've got to provide. I've got to pay the mortgage. I've got to dot dot dot, right? And a guy came to me and said, "Oh, I want a website that can kind of do this, 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 and this." And I was thinking, "Oh, amazing!" And he said, "This is how much money I've got budget-wise." I'm thinking, "Amazing! All my prayers have been answered." And then he, I said, "Well, what kind of website are you thinking?" And he told me, "I want to do a porn site." And I was like, "Well, but I'm not being funny. But can you can we do something different?" <laughs> <laughs> because you know from a personal point of view from a personal values point of view there's no way i'm doing a porn site that's a this just this just doesn't tie with me as a person um so i'm like do something else and he's like no no this is what i want to do i'm like sorry but you're gonna have to find somebody else that helps you but it comes down to that like you say in a tight crunch when the rubber hits the road and you have to decide what kind of person do i want to be right i i, I think it's uh, yeah, I think you find you know, out when there's no money. Well, and A, thank you for remembering the, the saying that I was trying to say before, <laughs> The Rock, uh, you know, brilliant. Um, but the the other side of this is, you know, I had a similar incident with a company that I really wanted to do a very political social network uh, a while back. And they ended up being, we referred them out because we couldn't align on uh really what they're doing or how they're going about it right there's just some really conflict yeah. with that and um 
uh, ended up being a hundred thousand. It was a billionaire looking for it, and it was a hundred thousand dollar a month contract. Wow! Right? And our typical contracts are five to ten thousand dollars a month. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you're talking real, real mm-hmm. level up. Mm-hmm. Um, but politically, I just couldn't do it. We couldn't handle what we we're looking at morally. I, I couldn't do that. And yeah, that's a real internal decision. You go, well, do I want a hundred thousand dollar a month contract? But you may not be able to sleep at night. Yeah. Or do you pass and hand it off to somebody else? Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting one, isn't it? This sort of understanding, I think it's really important actually. And if you're a young entrepreneur and you're starting out in business, understanding what you stand for and understanding your values, I think is really important um, because they will get tested uh, and you, 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 they're gonna, it's gonna come your way. And uh, it's interesting or, because- It's not necessarily just your values too. It's all your employee values yeah. too. It's- morale around work and it's mm. these type of things like if you're to take on the the porn site um and i don't know how many employees you had at the time but would they have been offended by that would they mm-hmm. have maybe churned on you like there are so many different things that you have to take into account as well right and yeah, when you're leading an organization it's your job to make sure that you have a good place to work that mm-hmm. people are doing things of value, that that's how you retain people. If you're not doing things of value, then retention goes away, right? And it's yeah. not a good business for you. It's not a good place to work. It's not the type of company that at least I don't want to run. And Matt sounds like from our conversation, it's not the type of company you want to run either. No, right? not at all. Not at all. I, I think there's something more important, isn't there? So how did you, how did you um, sort of feel when you turned down 100000 a month for the sake of conscience um i could still sleep at night you know that's the (laughs) that's the side side of it um but you know and i don't regret that decision either Mm -hmm. right because i also think at that rate that you know i don't know if they're getting the value of a hundred thousand a month when they're doing it as well Mm -hmm. right like and they were uh, uh, the, the people we referred to them to continue to tell us that they were a difficult client all the way through the full engagement um, for those things, uh, which was a writing on the wall, right? When you have that type of money, um, particularly, you know, because this was developing out a social media network and yeah. doing some things like that, you, you know that that's from an architectural standpoint. Think if you're building a house for somebody and you get halfway through the build, you built the wall, you built the foundation, and they come to you and they're like, you know what? I really want that pool that we were talking about in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Can you put that on the roof? Can you make that happen tomorrow? Well, that's a very difficult thing to do. And that happens in the infrastructure of building e-commerce websites, custom yeah. things like this, right? And when you talk about a bigger pivot with everything is now having those conversations with clients. And, and this is the biggest takeaway I have to say through all the trials and tribulations is you know, Nuance Media and myself can really now provide the value of what not to do, Yeah. right? And, and that's a, a core thing that you have to, you only learn what not to do by not by doing it a number of times and screwing it up, right? And what you find is now there's enough ways to hack it that you can get about 90% of the functionality that you want um, 
But if you need that last 10%, how important is that 10, last 10%? So yeah. for example, all the websites we design and develop um, are on Shopify and we don't work with WooCommerce anymore. We developed out WooCommerce for a long time. We mm -hmm. don't work with Magento. We don't work with any of those things because quite frankly, 90% of the time it's going to get you 90% of the functionality that you need. Yeah, and yeah. that last 10%, isn't a big enough deal to make it. And if you need that, then you can basically put it on a subdomain and figure it out some other way with that. It's yep. going to get you to market 10 times quicker. And it's going to make you 10 times more profitable by focusing on those type of things. So those are the hard conversations you, you have to have with clients yep. saying, yeah, I, I know you really want the thing to zoom around at the top of the screen and, and go boo, 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 boo. But that's not going to make you any more money and it's yeah. not worth the time. And it could also ultimately jeopardize your company. Yeah. So how do we focus on the Pareto principle, you know, focus on the 20% that's going to make us 80% of the revenue compared to the 80% that's going to make us 20% of the revenue. Yeah, no, exactly right. And I think that's a lot of time. It's a lot. Of, I mean, I, if I think about, uh, you know, why people contract coaches or consultants or why I've gone and reached out to experts, it's more because they're going to tell me, like you say, what not to do than what I have an idea of what I should do. But it's like, what are the pitfalls I need to avoid on the route to get into where I want to go? And that, like you say, that experience and that experience is really interesting, isn't it? Because that's not what you had when you were 20 years old starting your social media uh, company. It's what you have now because you, you've had that life experience. Right. And there's something about that experience that I, I find quite valuable. Um, I don't know if that's why we say older people are wiser people. Maybe it's just because they've got more experience about life. I don't know. Right. Well, it's also why you never hire a psychologist who doesn't have some gray in their hair, right? You know, being a 25 year old psychologist is probably pretty difficult because no one believes you have the life experience. You could have a ton mm -hmm. of life experience at that level, but on the consulting track, on any of these mm -hmm. type of things, the reason that you work with um, people that have experience and age isn't the only experience, but have experience is so they, as you can say, you know, tell you what not to do as much of what to do. And then mm -hmm. also, you know, the old joke with that is why am I paying the engineer that comes in and looks at the machine $10,000 for pushing one button and fixing it in 30 seconds? Mm -hmm. Well, because it took them their whole career to figure out which button to push. Yeah. Right. And, mm -hmm. and fix the whole issue. Um, so that's that's really the level, and that's the thing that anybody going into business or e-commerce or those type of things is I'd highly recommend is uh, join a peer group or hire a consultant or do any of those things because the lessons that they've learned are going to be the things that really make you more uh, significant and, and uh, increase your probability of success dramatically. Mm -hmm. compared to needing to go through the losses that I've had or that you've had or any of these type of things because you didn't check your profit margin initially. It's something that mm -hmm. like we yeah. do with any client we're onboarding for Amazon is we run the unit economics and you'd be mm -hmm. amazed at how many agencies out there just look at top line revenue. And then you find out that after shipping their cogs and all those type of things, they have a 10% margin. Well, they're never going to be successful on Amazon with the 10% mm. margin share because mm. you need that money to run ads. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, you know, there are always exceptions to the rules, but those are the conversations that you have to have. You have to look at the unit economics. You have to do these things. And if you're not working with a provider or a consultant that says, Hey, John, Sarah, Sue, like, 
it's great that you have the next big thing and you have a patent pending and it's beautiful and all these type of things, but you're not going to be profitable on this because this, this, and this. And even though you're running a nonprofit, the goal of a nonprofit, for example, is to not not be profitable. It's still to be profitable so you can afford and like take your staff and do those type mm-hmm. of things. I've worked on a ton of different nonprofit boards, and, and that's a, a classic thing that happens in that thing is they're like, we can't be profitable as a nonprofit. Well, no, that's not true. You need to be profitable so you can afford the staff to run the organization better. Yeah. Right. And that's in your business and all these other type of things. So, um, you know, I'll get off my soapbox. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's fascinating listening to you talk. It's really interesting. So, I mean, I mean, sort of experience and life experience uh, being what they are and uh, being valuable. Um, knowing the experience that you went through the first time, right, with your social media network, what gave you the courage to have another go? Or was it was it a chance or did were you super intentional and go, well, I'm just not going to make the same mistakes? Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, you've lost all this money. You've lost your fiance. You've lost everything's gone. And yet here you go and you, you start again. I'm really curious as to what was the mindset there. Um, delusion. I think that's probably <laughs> You know, ego and delusion, like that's yeah. that's probably the key things. Um, you know, it's to provide value, right? It's to uh, control your own destiny. It's to champion something that's bigger than you. Have always been kind of the the driving factors. And I, I, you know, meditate on a daily basis, and I go through. I want professional wealth, which is. You know, being a good thought leader, enjoying what I'm doing, adding value, helping people win, right? Mm. That, that's my core goal here. My second goal is, is fiscal independence. I don't need to make millions and millions and millions of dollars a year, but I need to provide for, for my family. I need to not be worried about money. I need to be able to live and be confident in living, right? And that mm. doesn't need to get ridiculous, but... Uh, if you're worried about money all the time, it interrupts with everything else that's going on, mm-hmm. right? And then it goes into physical health. You know, uh, how much time do you attribute to working out or eating right and taking care of yourself so you can actually enjoy the life that you're living? I have a three-year-old mm-hmm. daughter. I want to be able to grow old with her and, mm-hmm. you know, teach her everything. So hopefully she doesn't need to make the mistakes I've made. But as we know, every person needs to go through their own story mm-hmm. and their own yeah. And the final thing is really to kind of be great, you know, be a great husband, be a great father, uh, be a great citizen of my community, uh, be a great friend, and and those type of things. So those are my four things that I kind of focus on on a daily basis. Um, And running my own company enables me to, uh, you know, do what we're doing here, talking about Mm -hmm. the message, talking about those lessons learned. This is really on the, you know, uh, professional wealth track. You know, helping this, helping people learn, setting up the win-wins and doing those things, right? So when I kind of look back to that decision, I think there is a certain amount of uh, delusion and ego that drove me to do that. But I also think that some of it's like, who do you ultimately want to be at the end of your life and how much is worth risking that? Mm. Because if you go work for somebody else, are you, you are basically giving that opportunity and, and those things to somebody else, which can work out great. If you're very yeah. upfront about that, if yeah. you're online, you, you can have those things and the values match, but do they always mesh? Right. Mm. And the, so 
you know, again, uh, delusion, ego, and really sticking to who you core, who you want to be at your core. Right. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So the, so over the years, then you've you've sort of identified uh, these sort of four driving uh, goals that you have, um, which you talked about: the professional wealth, the fiscal independence, the physical health, um, and so on. So you've got these sort of the four goals. Um, how long did it take you to identify those, or have you always known what they were? Um, overnight, Matt. I, I woke up and I just knew. Um, Ta-da! everything's overnight um no it it took me a while right i I think you you know you're working every day you're doing all these things all day long and sometimes you become a product of the system that you Mm -hmm. don't realize what is defining happiness for you right and if you don't define what happiness is for you and this probably happened five to seven years ago, then how are you ever going to know if you're really happy? Right. And and you find that um, particularly in you kind of these westernized cultures and I'll put America underneath of us, but you get so capital driven, Mm. right? That's all about the money. It's all about those things. And then you find that some people are very successful, aren't happy with their lives at all because it's all been just about finances. Right. And you've never taken the time to smell the roses or appreciate your family or mm-hmm. build good friends that you can enjoy these rewards with. Um, and those are my goals based on my life journey and what I've done. And those goals are going to be completely different for every different person, right? Like some people are very confident with, I want to just have the independence to live my life. And I'd rather work three hours a day and keep up with my yoga and speaking uh, French and doing these, which is completely fine. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's one of the beautiful things of actually traveling and living in different cultures. Right. I lived in Spain for a few years. I lived in India for a while to see that different reset Mm -hmm. when you go to different cultures. Yeah. Right. Because like one of the beautiful things I really appreciate about Europe, and this was, you know, 20 plus years ago now, was it is okay to, to be a server for your life, right? And, and do those type of things if you had good friends and good family mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. While in America, you'd be shamed for doing that. Yeah. Right. And then because of that, you, you, and this is a stereotype in general, right? But then you find that Europeans are significantly no more about history, culture, all these type of things around them, arts and those things, because they're tending to be, smell the roses a little bit more compared mm-hmm. to Americans that were so driven by capitalism and uh, living to work compared to working to live. Mm-hmm. Um, that that at various things, and that's such a cultural level. And I'm American, so I'm I, I got this beat into me on the capitalism, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? But yeah. then you have to fight back on that as well. Right. That's so. so powerful. That's super powerful because you I mean, you're right. It's like your identity can't be tied in what you do, really. And I think if it is, it's, it's on very shaky ground because what happens when you don't do that or if you don't do that well, how, how does that reflect on you? Um, and I, I, I like that. And I've never thought about that with the Europeans. Maybe they've got a, a sort of a broader sense of identity because they've got a bigger connection with their history. Perhaps. Right. I don't know. Because obviously the States is still quite a new country. Well, it is for me. Yeah, it, well, <laughs> it think, is for me. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, um, it's one of those, isn't it? There's a, 
I mean, my house that I live in was built in the early 1800s, and I think, you know, goodness me, it's just, it's really interesting, isn't it, the whole history side of things? So, yeah, that's uh, 2006, the house I'm <laughs> Similar. The yeah, Similar. Yeah, yeah. Probably yeah. face the same energy uh, efficiency issues. You yeah, the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the cobblestone street outside is amazing, too, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So, um, let me ask you about uh, being, so push to be. So we, we talk about being, what do you, I mean, you've talked a little bit about exercise, obviously you meditate every day. What, is, what are some of the things you do to fill your tank to recharge? Yeah, it's um, uh, the, the exercise is the thing and I've let myself go, right? I need to get back into it, particularly being over 40 now, your body changes, you need to mm-hmm. be healthy and do those things. So one of the core levels is exercising and doing that at least 30 minutes a day because it resets your metabolism. Um, it gives you that umph in the day. It gives you a little bit of that endorphin rush, and it, it really helps you kind of be the best version of yourself that you can mm-hmm. be, right? Um, the second level is the meditation that we kind of spoke about. Focus on what your goals are in those levels. Um, and then the, the third element of that is affirmation, right? Um, what am I thankful for? You know, because you that's, again, it's really interesting looking at the religious aspect of this, and I'm not a very religious individual, but, you know, when a child sits down and does their prayers at night and goes through thanking everybody mm-hmm. for what they've done, that's affirmation, mm-hmm. right? And that didn't just happen overnight. Mm-hmm. That's really staying there and appreciating what you actually do have. Because as, as humans, we tend to appreciate or not appreciate, we tend to focus on what we don't have. Mm-hmm. Right. And then what is your system in line to focus on? Like, no, I actually have a lot. You know, I'm living in a house here that was built in 2006. I, my wife can work from home. I can work from home. We can do these things. But then you're focused on like, well, why don't I have a boat? Or why yeah. don't I have, the, you know, these type of uh, materialistic elements, right? Um, so taking the time to really focus on what you're thankful for and, and how happy you are in your life at this moment. And even if you're not that, don't have that much to be thankful for, you still got something. Oh, geez, right? everyone has. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, I'm, I'm with you. You have to yeah. program and you have to focus on those type of things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So those are the the key things that that I try to do with that, um, just to keep myself centered and do those type of things. And it's funny, even you know, with travel or vacation, people focus on those type of things, and I really do enjoy travel and vacation, mm-hmm. but. You know, they find out there's been research that people actually get more joy about planning the trip than actually being on the trip. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So it's about smelling the journey and enjoying the journey you're on. Yeah, I like the the idea of gratitude as well, you know, and uh, not focusing on what you don't have. And that's that's hard to do in a society that is consumer-focused. Um, yeah. I'm not just talking about America. I mean, England is, I would put it in the same bracket, but um, it, it's very hard to do. And it's interesting, actually, with the, the rise of consumerism. And you talk about not being a religious person, but the fall of religion, as in the declining numbers of religion. And you, I'm intrigued by reasons as to why people think certain ways. And often uh, they cite as a, a reason for the fall in religion is not because of um rational explanation i.e i think that science has now disproved god is it tends to be more emotional i.e 
God didn't do this for me or he didn't do this for a people group. So I focused on what I don't have and what I think should have happened. And that causes me there to disengage with that um, society or that tribe or that faith or, or, you know, whatever language you want to use. And so I find it fascinating you talk about gratitude like this and actually focus on what you do have um, is a is a remarkable gift, I think, if you can do it. Um, because I don't think many people can these days. Uh, and I don't know whether that is because of the society in which we live, but I, it just seems to be like, a I don't know, something that not a lot of people can do. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. Right. Well, on, on the, the fall of religion, I think alternatives is another major thing that has to come into that too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, religion was community for such a long time. And the only real way to engage in the community was to be religious. Mm-hmm. Right. And now we're finding different ways of mm-hmm. community, your yoga studio, that could be a variety of different things. And then honestly, you get into yoga and there's a lot of meditation with those, those tend to, you know, be mm-hmm. other four thoughts that kind of come in that way. And how do you do your personal journey? Right. Um, and gain to really the, the point sorry matt what was the last question i kind of got side uh, no no no. i was just kind of curious as to why do you th- have you is it just me that thinks people are finding it harder and harder to be grateful and i'm just curious if yeah. you if you so, do think that why i i think the the issue now too is so here's here's a, a quick example right um we really limit or try to limit how much my daughter who's three sees television and when she does she's in a bilingual school so we make her watch everything in spanish right mm-hmm. and not Castellano, not from espana but from mexico because that's what everybody speaks around here mm-hmm. my my accent's very interesting because i did start learning until i was 24 and then i speak castellano spanish and mexico so no one understands me it's <laughs> um, anyway um so but the the things that you see is when she does engage in television maybe watches an hour of TV, you take the iPad away and then she's a little bit of a horror, right? Mm. Cause she's like, I want my show. I want my show yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. This type of thing that I think what happens with us and why we may be so much more consumer focused is we've made everything bite sized pieces. Like look at the puff puff go or any of these apps where I'm going to get my Cheetos. I'm going to have them delivered to my house cause I don't want to drive the local vendor. Mm-hmm. to get things right that you get so much instantaneous on this which is really taking away from your own time for processing for thinking for appreciation for any of these things so i do think um uh, consumerism is one of the levels ease of life and, and also that there are so many different things happening all the time like we are in a time that i can put on my you know quest vr system and virtually be in hong kong in two seconds Right. Um, and there's so many different opportunities for engagement in those things that does push more to consumerism and distracts from your own reflection journey as well. Yeah. Right. So and that's where all that is. Um, it has to be really self-driven because, you know, even 30 years ago, uh, no one had a VCR and there's no TVs. Right. There mm-hmm. are TVs that you only had a. I grew up watching like superhero friends or whatever i had to wake up at 5 30 on a saturday morning to catch my cartoon for half an hour and everything was done by 10 a.m yeah right yeah. Uh, compared to just being on demand all the time so civilization has really taken a journey mm. with that 
And then, you know, uh, on the news cycle, when the 24-hour news uh, cycle was introduced, it kind of changed how media was done because you had to create news all the time, right? It wasn't okay to be like, yeah, not not much happened today. We got your half an hour level. These are the, the highlights, and you call it mm-hmm. at 6 o'clock on a Monday, right? Now it's CNN or Fox or whatever you listen to, right? And it has to be all day, and it has to be dramatic, and it has to be all these mm-hmm. type of things. So. Um, those are all the impacts we have because we're in kind of a, uh, yeah. in society now. You need yeah. to always be up and moving with it, right? Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's fascinating, isn't it? And the just the impact of sitting in that news cycle, that constant news cycle, just generates fear. And so you right. you then become less and less grateful. Because, so all of these things sort of count, don't they? Right. Um, <clears throat> so I like, I, I mean, I you know, we talk about... Um, sort of being grateful and, and being a good husband, being a good father, financial independence and so on and so forth. What do you want to grow more into over the next few years? What do you want to do? What do you see the future sort of having for you? Um, focusing on, you know, providing more value and growing that way. Like what I really enjoy is um, helping people win, being a good leader, that kind of thought leadership area and doing that. And, I've realized that I don't have to execute to do all of that, right? I I can do more consultative level, and that's some things that Nuance is focusing on, is how do we make more impact without having to do everything ourselves to mm-hmm. make sure that impact happens, right? So that's kind of our up next, next goal and my personal goal is how do you get more on the thought leadership area? How do you convey that knowledge a little bit more? And, Sorry, I got my dog barking, which is great. It, it wouldn't Join be an in. official podcast without a dog barking. Miles <laughs> Bryant in the background, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, those are the things that I'm really focusing on. The next step is how do you amplify the message and how do you provide more value without having to do it all yourself, Brilliant. right? Um, and those are things, man. I know that you're working on too with mm. some of the other things that you got going on, right? Yeah, yeah. T- same so I think thing. being an uh, agency or whatnot, you always focus on, I have to do it all myself compared to the more consulting level and taking mm. what you're doing and providing more value that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, listen, I'm, I'm getting aware of time here. So uh, let me ask you my penultimate question. Uh, as you know, this show is sponsored by the Magnificent Ori Media, which specializes in helping folks like you good self set up and run their own podcasts. So I'm curious, right? If you had your own podcast, uh, out of the people that sort of have impacted your life, who would, who would be a guest? Who'd be on your guest list and why? That's a good question. So um, it, it would just depend on the topic, but if it was more of an entrepreneurial topic, I think I would uh start with probably my uh, so i come from a serial entrepreneurial family right and i'd probably start with my uncle i mm-hmm. uh, he actually i worked at his law office for three years when i was under delusion i wanted to be an attorney <laughs> um but what he did was he is a, a standard formal uh, lawyer and in the 80s he got involved with uh, representing veterans and veterans in the united states at that point couldn't have uh, attorney representation and the veterans wouldn't be able to compensate an attorney for this. And um, in the US, we do a really strong job of saying, go join the military, do all these great things. And then as soon as you come back, 
um, and you don't have any legs or you have PTSD, we say, oh, mm -hmm. you're 50% compensated for what you're doing. So mm -hmm. basically you do this big pitch on the front end and then veterans are horribly treated on the back end. The VA right. is always bad. So basically what he did is he formed his own law type representing veterans. And he's made that an extremely successful company um, overall and practice of law. He's had a few cases in front of the Supreme Court, but he's literally changed how veterans are represented this United, in the mm. United States, which is very impactful, a, a very formative person in my life. And I'd love to talk about that journey um, and those type of things. So when you look at entrepreneurism mm. and to pivot, right? Because until his early 40s, he was doing this general type of law and then he found his niche mm. and then it took him down a different life journey, which he's still extremely passionate about mm. um, and kind of hitting those other levels. So Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm really curious to hear his story myself. So if you ever record the episode, send me the link. I'm genuinely curious. Uh, Ryan, listen, uh, how do people reach you? How do they connect with you if they want to do that? Sure. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way. LinkedIn, Ryan Flanagan. I'm also on Twitter, um, those areas. Or you can always contact us uh, directly through the, the Nuanced Media website, too. Mm -hmm. um, it's always interesting being an entrepreneur uh, is, you know, you and your company are always one. Um, I obviously have full staff handling everything over there, but um, uh, nuanced media and me are, I think, are always going to be kind of tied at the hip. So yeah, yeah, I can imagine. It's the same with me and mine, right? It's just it is yeah. what it is. Uh, I'm just opening up the Twitter app now to find you on Twitter, so I'll connect with you on Twitter. I'm sort of starting to re-engage with Twitter because the whole Elon Musk drama, and it's like, oh, I should probably re-engage with that platform. Well, you can go get your blue check mark right now. It's only eight dollars. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I might do it. You know, just 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 because I can. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, brilliant. Right. Well, listen, we will, of course, uh, Ryan, link to your LinkedIn profile. We'll put your Twitter profile on there and all the links to Nuance Media. We'll put those in the show notes, which you can get for free along with the transcript at pushtobemore.com. Or if you're signed up to the newsletter, they will come direct to your inbox. Uh, Ryan, honestly, mate, uh, I've enjoyed, I think I've enjoyed this conversation more than, I think they just get better and better. Uh, so I uh, appreciate you coming back on the podcast, man, and, and sharing your thoughts about sort of life leadership and, and, and uh, what you see happening. It's been a, a real, real treat. Uh, you're an absolute legend, honestly. Uh, thank you. Thanks, man. I've really enjoyed our conversations as well. It's been it's been phenomenal. Thank you. Oh, it's been great. Great. So huge thanks to Ryan for joining me today. And also a big shout out to today's sponsor, Orion Media. If you're wondering uh, if a podcast is a good marketing strategy for your business, do connect with them at orionmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. We will, of course, link to them on the podcast show notes, uh, which you can get uh, for free at pushtobemore.com or they'll come direct to your inbox if you are subscribed to the email. Now make sure you follow uh, Push To Be More wherever you get your podcast from because we've got some more great conversations lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them and in case dear listener viewer uh, wonderful person engaging if no one's told you today let me be the first to say you are awesome yes you are it's just a burden you've got to bear Ryan has to bear it I have to bear it you're just awesome. So just, you know, own the awesomeness. Uh, Push To Be More is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bain on Josh Catchpole, Estella Robin, and Tim Johnson. 
And our theme music is by Josh Edmondson. And as I mentioned, if you would like to read the transcript or show notes, head over to the website pushtobemore.com, uh, where you can also sign up for the weekly newsletter and get all of this good stuff direct to your inbox, totally for free. It's totally amazing. That's it from me and from Ryan. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>